Gracious Lord, would you open our eyes that we might behold Jesus? Would you open our ears that we might hear thy word? And would you open our hearts that we might receive you into them afresh? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please sit down. I want to read to you a story which uh, anybody who's uh, been a canoeger in this congregation will probably sigh. I want to read uh, from Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus. I won't explain why they'll sigh, but uh, I will read that. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. In his provocative book, The Twilight of Atheism, Alistair McGrath argues that much of what poses as 21st century atheism in the Western church has little to do with belief in God or not belief in God. No, says McGrath, this has much more to do with those souls who have rejected for whatever reason the authority of the church. And largely, certainly in Europe, that has meant rejection of the authority of the Roman Catholic Church. I well remember as a young priest, my first day in a new parish when the church was packed as people who were essentially nosy turned up to see what the new guy uh, might be like. And I preached my message. I've never forgotten this. A young woman came out of the church And she said, "Um, thank you for your message, Mr. Hill. I found it very helpful. I need to tell you, I will never be coming back to your church. (laughs) Uh, You know, this lady has a gift of encouragement or what. I said, you know, can you just stand there for a moment? You know, I'd like to hear more about that. She said, well, I came in. I've been going through a hard time in my life. I came in. And I went to sit down, and somebody came up to me and said, you can't sit there, that's where Mr. Havercroft sits. So she said, I changed seats, and I sat on the opposite side, and somebody else came up to me and said, you can't sit there, that's where Miss Pemberton sits. She said, I see there is no seat for me in your church, so I shall never be coming back. Today... I have been asked to speak to those of you who feel that you have been burnt by the church. Those of you for whom the church may be 
publicly, maybe privately, is more of the problem than the solution to you. Pope Francis, who has been applauded throughout the developed world as a kind of breath of fresh air, attracted harsh criticism very recently when he repeated that Catholic dogma, extra ecclesiam nulla salus, there is no salvation outside the church. Traditionally, of course, this dogma has been interpreted to mean that unless you are a Roman Catholic, basically you're in a mess. Though actually there's very little evidence that's what Pope Francis meant. Every gospel preacher knows and weeps for the fact that wherever we go, wherever I go throughout the world, there are people who for a variety of reasons have decided that the church is the reason they cannot follow Jesus any longer. People who have been badly hurt by what they categorize as judgmentalism, harassment, and bullying. I'm minded of that time that Homer Simpson went to the church weekend and reflecting on it in the pub with his friends afterwards. So they said to him, hey, Homer, how was the church weekend? It was great, he said. We all learned to be more judgmental. (laughs) Uh, We all know those church people whose default is to reject those who are not like them. The kind of people... You know the kind of people, they weren't very nice before they became Christians. Then they became Christians and became even less nice. And then there are people who have been hurt and abused by those bombastic clergy who might mistake spiritual leadership for, that, for coercion and manipulation. And of course, those who've given up on the church because they feel they're just unheard. Friends, the list of those who have been burnt by the church is longer than I dare imagine. I fear that sometimes some of these people are the hardest people to challenge to those of us who speak of Jesus. Recently, at a church which had all the latest technology, TV screens everywhere, microphones, whatever, I was in the pulpit, and to my left, there was a screen. And I thought for a moment, huh, I wonder who that funny little whistled old man is waving his arms around. And then I realized it was me. It was a moment of truth as I saw myself as others see me. And maybe there are times when the church needs to look at itself as others see it. Of course, it needs to be said that some of those who use the church as an excuse also need to look at themselves and their own behaviors. But I think we would all agree that sometimes the church needs to look at itself. And then we meet those people, you may have met them too, who gave up church and proudly bragged that they haven't missed it at all and confidently then affirmed that you don't need to be a Christian to go to church, which might be technically true. But this is important. The remedy for bad church is not no church. It's good church. Let me say that again. The remedy for bad church is not no church. It's good church. Going back to Pope Francis for a moment, let me say what he exactly said, quoting a previous pope, Pope Paul. He said, it's an absurd dichotomy to think that one can live with Jesus but without the church. 
to follow Jesus outside the church, to love Jesus and not the church. So here's the question that I want to address with you today. And it's this, does the gospel have anything to say to those of you who have been burnt by the church? Are you happy with where you are? More to the point, is Jesus happy with where you are? Before I go any further, I need to apologize to those of you who've been burnt. I was ordained by the church, and in some sense, a bishop speaks for the church, though I'm chancing my arm here in the United States. But I do feel truly sorry if you've been messed up by the church. So why did I read the story of Zacchaeus? Well, I'm hoping I might remember in the next few moments. (laughs) This was a man. This was a man who was on the receiving end of abuse and hatred from the nearest thing that we had to a church, from his fellow Jews. You know this. He collected taxes on behalf of the enemy. He was, as far as the then church was concerned, a sinner. The background noise to this story is truly terrible. You remember when Jesus spoke to him, we read that, and churches are just beset by this, aren't they? Muttering. The people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus had every reason to bear a grudge against the people of God. They had, in their own minds with good reason, it needs to be said, been hard on him. And no doubt, they slightly resented his worldly wealth. But up in his tree, Jesus calls to Zacchaeus. And despite the noise of the crowd, despite the antagonism, the envy, and the pure hatred... Zacchaeus hears the call of Jesus. And I wonder if the ambient noise in your life, I wonder if that is something that gets in the way of you hearing Jesus. Those of you who feel, those of you who stop coming or just come today to see what's going on down here, or those of you who sit on the pews week in, week out, feeling just a little angry with the church. I wonder if that kind of anger, in the end, doesn't create the ambient noise. That means we might not hear Jesus when he calls us. Maybe today, maybe this lunch break, God is going to whisper in your ear and speak into your heart. How easy For Zacchaeus only to listen to the voice of those who were angry with him. How easy to justify his separation from the people of God. But he heard the voice of Jesus. To quote that well-known Cecil Alexander hymn, Jesus calls us o'er the tumult of our life's wild restless sea. Day by day his sweet voice soundeth, saying, Christian, follow me. Why the church? That great Methodist preacher, Dr. Sangster, used to get up and say to his congregation on a Sunday morning, you realize a lot of people aren't in church this morning because you are. (laughs) I think in the wider world in which we live, people need convincing whether the church is part of the solution 
rather than part of the problem. My own experience was, I always say I went through three conversions. The first conversion was to uh, Christ, of course, who offered me forgiveness for my sins, uh, given the wretched life that I'd been living, and gave me a new start. Secondly, I had to trust that what God had put in His Word was for my good, and not just to wreck every last bit of fun I'd been having as a young man. And then, I had to be converted to the church. The man who led me to Christ in a prayer of commitments gave me great advice. He said, if you don't find the fellowship of a church, the spark that God has put into you will very quickly be extinguished. <laughs> then I went to church. I was a Church of England church. It was like stepping into another world, another culture, robes, organ music, elderly folks, communal singing. I mean, man, this was 1968. The height of the swinging 60s. I hated it. And I rather got the impression they weren't too keen on me. I held on to the advice of my Christian counselor, believing without any sense of evidence that the church might be good for me. Like Nietzsche's madman, I could not find the living God in church. And so, like some of you, I struggled. My mentor told me I shouldn't expect too much of the church, but I certainly shouldn't expect too little. Because, he said, the church may be full of hypocrites, but if you join them, one more won't make a difference. <laughs> I began to see, I began to see that though I couldn't cope with the church, I would never cope as a believer without the church. I began to see that for whatever reason, the church is part of God's plan for the redemption of the world, a signpost to God's big idea, the kingdom of heaven, the bride of Christ, the people of God, the redeemed. Such language should, should, could surely not be used for some tangential idea for the extremely uh, people who are able to cope with boredom uh, readily. Zacchaeus, said Jesus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. Listen, friend, whatever tree you find yourself in, Jesus wants to call you, and he wants you to hear him. Maybe it is a tree of hurt. Maybe it's a tree of unforgiveness. More about that tomorrow. Maybe it's a tree of pride or of stubborn arrogance. Maybe it's a tree of just stubbornness. And Jesus says, come down. I want to come to you. And have fellowship with you. Let go of what you're hanging on to. And take hold of Jesus. For in the end, the negative negativity that you hang on to will just take up residence in your heart. And you will never know real joy. You will never know what Jesus meant in John 10. When he said that his disciples should have life and have it in all its fullness. And just to close, you will remember that there was another man in the New Testament who ended up on a tree, the tree of Calvary, a tree that had been reworked by men to be an instrument of lethal torture. And Jesus didn't climb that tree. He was nailed to it. And he was nailed to it so that wretched sinners like me and you could be forgiven.
Paul writing in Galatians says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, says Paul, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Jesus was cursed for us as a substitute for our sins. Zacchaeus came down from the tree. In fact, one commentator writes that he thought Zacchaeus actually fell out of the tree because the text tells us that Zacchaeus stood up today in this wonderful cathedral, in this house of prayer. Jesus is calling you to come down out of your tree, to let go and to grab hold of him and discover again that sweet fellowship with him that can be yours and renew your acquaintance with his people, his church. For remember, the remedy of bad church is not no church, but good church. Today, we struggle to hear the voice of Jesus because there is so much ambient noise in our lives. But maybe right now, in his way, and in his time, and in his will, God is whispering in your ear, inviting you down, and telling you he wants to enjoy fellowship with you. Let us pray. Jesus calls us over the tumult of our life's wild, restless sea. Day by day, his sweet voice soundeth, saying, Christian, follow me. Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to your people? Call them down from whatever tree they're stuck up. And help them to know you again. And to be reacquainted with your people. And to realize we're just a fellowship of forgiven sinners. And Lord, we thank you. That you went to a tree. That you might be cursed. That we might be set free. And we thank you in Christ's name. And the people said together. Amen. Amen.